0: Uh, hi, this is Ryan Parrott, and you're listening to the Radium Black Podcast.
1: to the radiant black podcast this is a podcast focused on all things massive verse today we are joined by a very special guest you know tv writer and comic book writer ryan Parrott. how are you doing today right
0: i'm good man thanks mm-hmm. for having
1: me on for sure and yeah, we've been looking forward to this for a while ever since we spoke yeah you know prior or i guess for the release of Super Massive. so we really enjoyed that how was uh, c2e2 and sdcc we know you're just coming from
0: there Um, honestly, I think it might be my favorite con. I know that'll make all the other cons jealous, but, uh, it's, it's a really nice blend of, of like creators and artists and stuff like that. You know, I think I was at San Diego, I think the week or two before and as much as I used as a kid, I loved San Diego. That was like the best con to go in the world. But as you get a little older, I started realizing it's like so much of it is Hall H now that it's easy to get sort of lost in the the chaos of it all. And and it doesn't feel like it's as much about comics as it used to be. So I would say to you, too, is a nice little change. It feels like it's there's just a lot. I have a lot more fan interaction, a lot more uh, just uh, there's a little more talent scouting, all that stuff. It's a lot. It's a lot of fun.
1: That's awesome. And, you know, I gotta say, like, last we spoke, I think it was just Rogue Son, that we, you know, Rogue Sun number one that we had to look forward to, and now we, here we are, a whole arc later, so much has happened, you know, <laughs> I mean, we got, uh, you know, the fallout to two parents, That uh, we got Dylan in the middle, caught in between, and uh, I just want to say, like, how does it feel now that we're, we're, we just finished the first arc, and everyone's a little bit overwhelmed, but so many people have been talking about how good this comic book is and honestly i'm not even kidding a lot of people saying that it's
0: even better than radiant black well i i I, don't tell kyle that (laughs) I, i won't tell him uh, but no, that's, it's really nice. It's, it's the hardest part I think about when you're first sort of out there talking about a comic book is sort of you you kind of get into a bit of a spiel where it's like, you said the same, you know, if you've listened to any interview I've done, it's like, it's the same line over and over and over again. And so that can get a little tedious. So it's nice when you've actually got some, some material out there that you actually have something to talk about something, you know, that you can talk about themes and you can be a little as cryptic. And it's not just like, I promise it's good. It's like, you have a little bit of like, Oh, Hey, what do you guys think? Is this is good. And so like, I think that's the best part about it is it's just sort of allows you to be a little more free uh to talk about it. Um, you know, it's so much about the early comic books is, is is cryptic and and uh and promise. Uh and it's nice to nice to But I appreciate that people have I, I had a lot of nice people come up to me at the con and talked about how much they like the book. And I've seen some people online say they like it. So that's always nice.
2: Yeah, for sure. I think it's safe to say all four of us are huge fans of Rogue Sun so far. I've been looking forward to it from month to month. And I can't wait for issue seven. And personally, I've never read a Create Your Own Adventure comic book. So Oh, you're in for a
0: treat. It's fun.
2: (laughs) What can we expect? Honestly, I'm going in kind of blind into this one, but I'm excited.
0: Did you never read them when you were a kid, like the novels or anything either?
2: No, no, never. This is the first time I, I heard about it too,
0: so... Oh, yeah. So like I grew up like I remember when I was a kid, like the the library had like a whole bunch of them. And I remember like the day I found one, I was like, oh, my God, these are amazing. And they're they're really fun because they're basically sort of these like there's like a thousand different like branching. Like, you know, you pick up the novel and you start reading. And I remember the one that always got me was like it was about this astronaut. It's like it opens with him like underneath the spaceship and it's like he's like fixing it or something. And it like and like he he drops his wrench and it starts to float away from the the ship. And it was like, do you A, go after the, like let go of your line and go after the wrench or B, let go, like forget it and get back in the ship. And I was like, well, I want my wrench back. And then you like get, it says, turn to page 27 and you turn to page 27 and there's like three lines. It's like, you let go of the thing and drift off and die in space. (laughs) And so you have to go back, (laughs) it's such a depressing moment. So later on, as you start reading more, you start realizing if you get like, you'd hold on to the old page, you'd turn to the one, if there was like only two paragraphs you just go back. uh, but like that's the states, thing. baby <laughs> yeah. exactly yeah and so like I was like I always love that and I just thought with well, the comic book and the page turns and like the the pictures it seems like there's a really cool opportunity to sort of do it um to really use the medium sort of against you a little bit and like like the I, one thing that's kind of fun in the book I don't think I've actually talked about this yet but it's like when you turn to a page some of the some of the, uh, if you look, you'll like, flip, like I don't know, it's a bad example. Like, you, if you turn to like page sixteen and you're looking at and you're reading what the the thing that happened on sixteen, if you happen to glance at the page next to it, you might have absolutely no idea what's going on because that's like another, that's like a, that's an answer to like a different part of the book. I don't know if that makes sense, but like that's kind of the fun that. In, in in that doesn't work in the novels but in the comics it's like you can look over and be like wait a minute am I fighting a bad guy who's this guy like there's like a fun little thing where it kind of makes you want to go back and hopefully read all of them but it's it's not I I took a different approach which was like I don't think it's going to be a lot of dead ends it's more it's it's the 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 choices are the journey are is the story if that makes sense it's like the choices that you make and I guess we can we can talk about spoilers at this point right Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay, sure. So yeah. Just to anybody who's read this, has read six. So if you know at the end of six that 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 uh, Marcus is not there, my the whole point of doing the story was the idea that let's since now Dylan's on his own, let's put the reader in the position of of Dylan and have him try like okay, you want to do it on your own. Let's see how well you do. And so that was the really fun part about doing mm-hmm. is I, I I found that it 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 felt like a good spot for the story to take advantage of it thematically. Mm-hmm. Are you guys setting page numbers? Yes, we are. Yes, so it'll be a little easier. It'll be like we actually have a Michael is actually creating a whole sort of thing in it that was sort of like a like a, a structure to it, so you can actually look and see. Because if we didn't, if I had made you guys actually count every time, that would be the meanest thing I could do.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so, w- would you say there is like uh, a good ending or like the correct ending that you reach after you do it a few times, or does it all kind of work out at the end, no matter which? Uh, direction you go?
0: Uh, I'm not going to say either way because sort of figuring out the ending is sort of the point. Um, mm-hmm. So that if that makes sense, I, that might have – I might have already just said too much. Uh, but, like, <laughs> that's the way that I wanted to approach it. I, I, I didn't want it to be something where somebody picked it up and goes – reads four pages and goes, okay, well, that's the end. I didn't want it to be that way. I wanted you guys to get your money's worth. So, like, it, it has – you know, like – I don't want to. I don't, wanna, I don't wanna spoil anything, but like I, that's the fun of it. I think is actually seeing the 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 different paths you take um, will inform hopefully on the point of the story, as opposed to it just being a lot of dead ends. It's more like you know, even if you take the right choices, those might not necessarily be the best choices. Does that make sense? Probably not. Mm. Okay,
3: You'll see. Cool. All right. Cool. Cool. I
0: like cool. It.
3: Yeah. That's exciting for sure. Um, w- one thing for me that personally sticked out from the start is um, kind of like uh, one of my favorite shows of the boys. Every, like, mostly every single character, um, except Dylan, who's kind of shown, like, his motivations from the start are kind of in the gray area. Um, would you, did, do you think you write like this and make your characters like this kind of because you like the unpredictable nature of it all? Or is it kind of to... Uh, maybe put us in Dylan's shoes and put us in his perspective of not knowing the whole picture maybe if that makes sense
0: yeah that makes sense um i think I mean, I, the inspiration for Dylan just kind of came out of uh, it. was like an early, early conversation I had with Kyle, which was, you know, he was saying about some of the, he was telling me about some of the big things he was doing and stuff that he hasn't even, you guys haven't even heard of yet. Like little things that he had told me before the book ever was written. He was like, I'd love to try this, love to try that. And I was like, wow, you're taking some big swings. And and he said, he's like, I, you know, and I've said this before on podcasts, but like when you're doing an independent comic book, which is Rogue Sun, even though it's image and we're in Massiverse, like it's still independent in the sense that it's not the big two. Like if you're going to do a superhero book, you've got to take some chances because and veer away veer away from the things that you've seen the big two do. And I think that was sort of my approach to it when I was thinking about Dylan. I was just like, I want to try and to make a character that isn't like all the characters that you've seen. I didn't want to make him like Dick Grayson or Peter Parker or Miles Morales or any of those guys who tend to be, you know, good hearted people. I liked the I like the idea of somebody who was a little more selfish, somebody who was a little more fractured, someone who was a little bit more um, had a little rough around the edges so that we had somewhere for that character to go and grow. Um, So that was kind of the initial inspiration for it was like, I'm like, you know, I like you know, I'm like day I I love Breaking Bad. I love those types of really heavy sort of dramas. And usually the those the ones that I like the most and ones that have the most sort of complicated main characters people that you kind of aren't sure if you're buying into why they're doing the things they're doing um and i remember eric kripke as you said about the boys one of the things he said early on was and i I always thought this was a good point was he was when he worked on revolution he was like you know a character can can say anything they want they can be the meanest person in the world but if they do the right things the audience will usually forgive them and and I thought that was like he talked about um, Dean Winchester a lot like Dean is brash and arrogant and condescending and makes fun of people. But because he's saving the world and because he's out there helping and trying to do the right thing and ultimately mm-hmm. sacrifices himself when he needs to, because he does those things, the audience usually is like it's like Han Solo. Right. Han Solo is a jerk. But like because he shows up and tries to save Luke at the end, it's like. You know, that's we forgive him. And so that was kind of my approach to Dylan. Like, I I think that's what I wanted you to slowly get to know of him is like he's he pretends or not even pretends. He is a not a nice person in a lot of ways. But at the end of the day, he is still putting his life on a line and going out there and trying to help people, which is more than I can say for myself. So.
4: That's great. Um, how long I, I read the the uh, I, when I was reading the series, I'm thinking like, OK, well, this guy's parents are definitely divorced. <laughs> There's no question here. <laughs> and uh you know i i really appreciate that story i know what it's like to be living in like two worlds especially with a bad divorce how long did you know that like how long have you been formulating the story knowing that you wanted to have a comic book that focused on
0: this uh, familiar conflict i mean that was from the very very beginning i knew that sh- the the mother was the killer I, I that was that was always the the because i wanted it to sort of be and you can't really pitch it so you have to find different ways to, to talk about it but i was like i wanted it to be a metaphor for a, a messy divorce And the idea is that but you just put superpowers in the middle of all of it, you know, because like my just to say it, hopefully my parents don't ever listen to this. Maybe, you know, maybe they will Um, (laughs) is uh, is that my parents had a very messy divorce when I was a kid and um, and never to this day are not not friendly with each other. And and, and and it's as and the funny thing is, as I got older. Like I started to learn more and more things Like they even sheltered ironically if they actually Sheltered me from a lot of the really bad stuff When I was a kid mm-hmm. it was only when I got older I was like Wow you guys really hated each other Um, And so I always thought that was Something interesting and but they would you know, there was a lot of times when I would spend, you know, summers with one of them and and then go back and forth that they would say things about the other. Both of them would say things about the other one that was designed, I think, in some ways to try and get me to be sympathetic to their side of the story. Mm-hmm. And I thought that's what's super interesting to me in this story is you give this kid superpowers and then you put him in between two people who were sort of at war for him and ultimately have him sort of make a decision. I knew the end of six was going to be him telling them that they're both wrong and sort of like treading his own path. Um, Mm. But that's not going to be easy. Obviously that's going to, that's going to, he's going to, the easier path would have probably been for him to just side with his father and go along with that. But he has such so much resentment built up over, you know, 15 years. There's no way he could do that. And I think, unfortunately that's going to hurt him in the long run. Brilliant. Yeah. Mm. The
4: way you've done it and you flesh it out is, is genius because you have the parents that, They they don't want their kid to be in the dark and suffer, but they don't want to hurt their each other's image of the parents and how much that veneer wears off. Like, okay, I'll tell you how bad the parent really is, because I've seen this stuff as you get older. Like, that's a brutal way to do it. And I just want to say they masterfully done and this series. It does feel fresh in a genre that's been done
0: thousands of times. I think you nailed it. Thank you. I, and I, I'm I'm a little nervous because like I, I knew pretty strongly what I wanted the first six years to be going into the, and I knew kind of what I wanted the next six to be in sort of like, but it was more it was more about Dylan and less about like the family. It was more like me trying. To, so I'm trying to figure that out. And and it's this I'm still trying to figure it out, like sort of that balance of character and plot, you know, like mm. I, I I really liked in Gogo when I started writing Gogo Power Rangers, like I realized that I, it, the mandate on the book was like 70 percent high school life, 30 percent, you know, like Monsters, and what that did for me was it sort of forced me to sort of like write a lot more character stuff, a lot more mm. like detailed stuff like high school, and I really liked that, and so I'm trying to find a way to Get back into that. However, that my point, the thing, the problem is, is that what made that easy for Power Rangers was everybody who had, was picking up the comic books. In my opinion, was somebody who already knew about the world. They knew who Rita was. They knew how the powers work. They knew how the the Zords. So I didn't have to explain any of that. It's a little different when you're writing your own book, and I have to find that balance of. Of Like, okay, this is character, but, like, I also have to, like, you don't know who the villains are. You don't know what the the, the general structure of the world is. You have to find that balance of character and world building and plot, and, and that's something that I, is a little new to me, uh, because I'm not playing from the playing card of, like, you know, the Power Rangers.
1: Yeah, I mean honestly i just gotta say like as someone who also has divorced parents and oh shit i, j- I just realized like three of us now have a divorced parent so this could easily be like the divorce parents <laughs> podcast but
4: <laughs> for, for the sake of oh, just check my the phone inside. my parents just split up too <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. anyway i
1: i do i do want to commend the dialogue and just the overall nuance i think reading issue five and six especially you could tell that yeah like it's 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 raw it's very well done and i it's it's Especially this like tonally, the way you, you write Dylan, and everyone else at school, as a, as opposed to the parents, like there's a huge shift where we see. I feel like you write such a good teenage Dylan, and then we move to the parents, and you could feel like the bitterness there. And I just, I just, yeah, it's just very powerful stuff. I, I think multiple people were talking about how good Rogue Son Number Six was uh, in the in the Discord, and we had just conversation go on forever. So that was really awesome. So, um, you know, knowing about uh, Radiant Black, we also know that Marshall, you know, he has like some issues with his parents. So I was wondered and, you know, we do we 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 knew we seen in Supermassive that it was only Marcus that got to know Marshall so far and he has yet to meet uh, Dylan. So do you think that him and Dylan would get along just based on some of the shared uh, that, you know, just some of the shared experiences they have?
0: i don't at all actually <laughs> i think that <laughs> I, I, we were talking about this the other day we actually were having dinner in chicago and we were talking about that relationship of uh oh i think kyle just texted me yeah he did um anyways, sorry sorry kyle i'm busy talking to your podcast <laughs> leave me alone <laughs> um uh but um uh we were talking about that at dinner and i and i said because it's funny because marshall's like what marshall's almost 30 is he 30 i think like oh, yeah. twenty twenty seems like or, he is yeah, yeah. Dylan's 17. So like, well, the funny thing to me was Dylan would just roast Marshall. Like he would not, <laughs> if you've ever been around a smart ass 17 year old and you're a little bit older, like they <laughs> have no, they, cause I always felt like this, like when you're in high school, like you're uh, yeah, like when you're in high school, 90 percent of your life is just trying to figure out how to navigate and trash talk with your friends and like you know what i mean like it's either if it's before class or after class at lunch before like it's just all day long it's like you're on it's just social navigation when you get out of that you lose a little bit of that you lose a little bit of that sort of like armor and i feel like dylan would just absolutely make fun of marshall all the time and i and and kind of disagrees with me but i don't think marshall would handle it great <laughs> in the same <laughs> in the same way that marshall kind of dealt with marcus you know how marshall was sort of sm, like smart talking mark like marcus mm-hmm. i feel like it would be the exact i would feel like that you would invert that relationship and it would be dylan would just not would not be friends with him like they would just be those two guys are too similar to to get along I oh, can man. picture him walking past him on the porch, Marshall on
4: the porch, and it not going well. I
0: was just about well. to say. Exactly. He'd, be, he'd be one of those oh, kids. The, I see one of those kids. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. that. That's yep. awesome. I I look forward to to the beating at super Twenty. Oh, well, so do I, man. I hope. I I I hope. I can't wait for that. And I've already told Kyle. I was like, I get to write at least one of those scenes. He's like, all right. <laughs>
2: all right. <laughs> um. So you know, there, we've we've seen a bunch of different characters, especially villains, so far. You know, from um, DeMonica to Suave and even the guy who gave Suave the spider that he ate. But I'm mostly interested in Suave because since he ate that spider, we really haven't seen or heard uh, much from him since then. Can we expect to see a little bit more of him in the next arc, you think?
0: I just wrote a scene with him yesterday. So, yes, you will see him in the next arc, I promise. And we'll learn a lot more about suave's relationship to the voice and um, where he fits into the big picture like I think that's the fun part of the next arc is, is that you'll start to understand a little bit more about who Marcus was fighting against and um, the stakes of all of that like I hinted at it a lot in the first part and and of the the first arc and I think the next one is gonna be Dylan will slowly be learning like oh there's a bigger there's a bigger story going on around here than I than I realized.
4: Yeah, he's yeah. got the tomb, and I know that the quill's not far behind. I'm interested to see where that goes for
0: sure. There you, there you go.
3: <laughs> yeah, he's been in business for twenty. Like he was in business for twenty years. Marcus wasn't. Like it is just that he. I can't even imagine like all the all the stuff he's been through. Um, and actually, um, one one of the questions I had for you is one of the my absolute favorite things is the Perine jewelry. Um. And I wanted to know, like, if you had any influence of that or like, was that an idea you had from the start or um, how did that come into play?
0: I don't remember exactly when it when it came up. So it's it's named after my grandmother. My grandmother's name was Dorothy Perrine and my grandfather called her Dot Dot. So I, that's why it's Dottie Perrine. They named after my grandmother. Um, uh awesome. But um, I don't know when I came up with it, but I always liked the idea. I, you know what? I think I might have. Now that I think about it, I wonder if this will get me in trouble. Have you guys ever seen Is uh, Return to Oz? Yeah. No. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. The, sequ- the James yeah. Franco one. No, 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 no. no. Oh. Return to Oz is like this dark oh. sequel that they made in like the nineties of, no. of with Fo- uh, for Raj Kabulk or whatever like that. It's just, it's check it out. It's online somewhere, I'm sure. But it's this really dark. Um, this really dark, uh, like, re- like story. It's not a musical, but it's like it's based off, of, I think, some of the later novels. Anyways, um, there is um, uh, I never realized it until I said it. I think you just I just you just I told me where I came up with it is there is a scene at the in the third act of the movie where they go up against the Gnome King and he imprisons um, a lot of the members of like the, the Scarecrow and the Tin Man. They're all imprisoned in these jewels and i think i might have inherently stolen the idea from that movie uh because that movie scared the hell out of me when i was a little kid when you when you watch it trust me there's some stuff in there that is not meant for little kids um but anyways i think that's what i i think it's what i stole but i always loved the idea of i mean it just it was me answering the larger question which is like if you are a superhero that has been fighting big supernatural bad guys that like literally like you can't just throw them in a prison there that's not gonna work so i was like there had to have been something that he was that he was putting these places. And I love the idea of sort of like literally in the middle of New Orleans, you have this prison that no one knows about that has all of these gems. And it's like if anything ever goes wrong there, that would be a very, very bad, bad thing. Uh, but I thought there was something really and there, it ended up there's a lot of mythology that I really liked. I like the idea that there was a warden. And and the only idea that I liked is that. If you watch i think it's like one of the scenes at the end of issue three or two maybe it's the end of issue three yeah where she's talking to the gems but she's not like mean to them she's literally trying to sort of like she's they're trying having to movie be- night yeah they're having movie night she's like yeah. she's like trying to re- she's trying to like get through to them and talk to them and they have they have that stuff so like you're gonna see more of Dottie talking to the people at the parent jewelry um at some point but i looked at it more like it's not just like a prison it's actually Dottie has you know, she doesn't want to keep everybody in there forever. She wants to let some people out. So how do you re, how do you sort of rehabilitate like supervillains and stuff like that? So, like, there's a lot of fun stuff in there that I, I want to touch on as we go forward. Yeah, and it works on like the stuff like the magical world
4: hiding from the world we know and it's just hidden in plain sight in the jewelry store. And I, I really want to see like a bejeweled Furby with like like ghosts in the gems and stuff like that. That'd be wild. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I think it's a really genius way to do it. And I think it's really cool. Thank you.
3: Yeah, so, no. The, the Rogues Gallery has been like one of one of the absolute like best things. Um, actually, a question I I have, I, I don't know if you can actually answer this or not. But at the beginning of issue five, um, when um the mom was giving birth to Dylan, um, Marcus actually mentions a, a a Minotaur with a flaming sword. Um, is that is that maybe someone we could see trapped in one of those jewels, or maybe he could still be out there? Is that someone we could be seeing in the future?
0: Uh, I think you might see that character earlier than, than I expected. Oh. <laughs> that's, that's, hey, it's man. funny that you brought that up. That's <laughs> very astute. Um, yeah, I'm just, I'm spoiling everything. Uh, but yeah, yeah, that, that, that character was some fun. Uh, there's some, th- that one, and I think you might see, um, oh, what was the, the one th- in Supermassive I came up with? Uh, the one that oh. Marcus fights, uh, on the river. Um, uh, our, uh, the, yeah, that guy. That guy is going to be back too at some point. They'll all uh, like. I don't waste any part of the buffalo when it comes to villains. If, if I mention a villain, I guarantee you will see them at some point. <laughs> Good, because uh, if I don't
4: see the alienator, I will be sad. I hope
0: the design lives <laughs> up to that awesome name. Sometimes, I I will be honest, sometimes, and this is probably breaking the illusion for some people, one of my favorite things sometimes to do is to just, like, come up with a name for a character or, like, a picture of them and not know what you're going to do with it and just hold on to it. And then and then when you're in running it, you're writing, you're going along, and you just go, oh, and you can, like, drop it in, and you look like a genius, but you really are just kind of like (laughs) – it's like a way of tricking your brain into, like – like tying threads together and and stuff like that. It's 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 Genius. it's not that I do that all the time, but every once in a while I will just like do that and be like, okay, I'll I'll come up with that later. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I,
1: I, that's actually what my next question is is re- regarding something in that nature. So you mentioned in the Discord when you had uh, the you know, that uh, brief Q and A session when you were waiting for your flight that uh, you were taking inspiration from. Uh, mortal iron fist a little bit for some of the next uh, stuff you're going to do with rogue Sun regarding if we might see like previous uh, users but at one point i remember in one of the issues in one of the more recent issues uh i think ori or, or brock says that uh, one of them says that because uh marcus died while he was wearing the suit and using the stone that his soul is bonded to the suit so is there a chance that Uh, There are other, I mean, there probably is, I guess, but is there a chance that we're going to see other people who've died in the suit and their souls have bonded to it now that, you know, Marcus is supposedly uh, honored his end of the deal?
0: Um, I will just say that the one of the fun, I'm have to be a little cryptic here. uh, One of the fun things I think about creating legacy heroes um, is playing with that concept of how long have they been around? who's worn the the armor or the suit before them what kind of person was that um and the fun of 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 potentially seeing them, interacting with them. I think that's, that's the fun of doing these characters. Um, I've always, I have always really loved, like I loved my, my favorite issue of spawn ever is the medieval spawn issue with the, with the violator narrating. I think it's issue like seven of that series. And I loved that because I read that as a kid and I was like, first Neil Gaiman, it's Neil Gaiman, which is really helpful. But um, that it was such a cool, like, oh my gosh, there was spawns before spawn. That's amazing. And then the way that story was told, I, I always loved. So I've always loved that part. And so, Knowing that I could create something like Rogue Son and, and and hint at the fact that there have been Rogue Sons before them. Um, and just to say it, like, I don't necessarily want to spoil too much, but like, it's it's a power, not necessarily a mantle. So it's it's not, who's to say who, who the people that held on to the Rogues, had the Rogue Son before were good or bad and what they used it for. Um, and I feel like that's something that I want to explore if given the opportunity. So, I mean, that's the best, without, without directly saying yes or no, I will say those are the things that I get excited about as a writer, uh, if, and when you'll see them will depend, I think on the story and Dylan's journey and sort of where, where we find ourselves going forward. is that, is that, is that, the, is that okay? Oh, no, that's fantastic.
1: And I I have two more questions based on that one. So the first one is, and they're both brief. The first one is we just found out this big spoiler alert for everyone listening. We just found out in Radio Black. Uh, number sixteen, that, and I guess because Kyle showed some people at too that in Rain Black number seventeen, there's going to be like Mark, uh, sorry Nathan and uh, Marshall using it at the same time to power. So they're both Rainy Black. So is is the Sunstone similar in the sense that can the power be split between multiple people? Uh, did he confirm that? I didn't know he confirmed that. Was that confirmed? Uh, so I mean, I mean, so we see, we see, we see Nathan <laughs> show up at the end of sixty, and then someone who went to C2E2 told us that Kyle basically said that they'll both be,
0: like, at least in issue seventeen, they'll both be radiant black. Well, so. I, I, I cannot confirm nor deny that. So I, will, <laughs> okay. I will leave that. I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to speak out of school, especially with, with with the amount of work Kyle puts into stuff. Um, okay. But I, so I can only speak to Rogue's son. Um, As a character, Uh, and I would say I don't necessarily think it can be split. Um, I think if you are the holder of the Rogue Sun, you are the Rogue Sun. Um, But I do know how the power set works, and I do have – there is a caveat that there's – okay, here's the best way I can explain it. Um, You haven't seen the full – extent of the powers and how it's wielded yet does that makes i don't know if that's that's as cryptic as yes. i can get so like no no that, that's awesome forward, you'll I understand can, yeah, yeah well, as yeah. we go forward you'll eventually understand oh that's what the rogue son is that's how it works and oh wow that's that stuff like like i think you know whenever th- the idea was to do the series for you know as long as people will read it so like i think we you know as you know obviously you guys you're you know the invincible you know, is is something that Kyle and I both worship and look at as sort of like the gold standard of superheroes, comic books. Um, and so I definitely, we both went into our stories thinking about how that story unfolded, how they were able to change and use the, you know, the the characters and the stories and the powers in different ways, and planning long term. And so we've definitely looked at ours and tried to model ourselves after after Robert Kirkman's approach. So like, there's definitely things that we have only hinted at and that will hopefully you know if we get to issue 30 we'll be like okay now we can unfold that part so that would be cool so yeah we're thinking awesome. about stuff
1: yeah awesome and and my last question based on the power set for now is in one of the issues i believe is three um dylan after he encounters the the roadkill looking guy i forgot his name he's a super cool character by the oh, way it was, yeah, it's yeah
0: it's um i actually, is, it's the it's whip, always, is the whip is the whip yeah yeah
1: yeah, so so. anyway, after he encounters him, he tells, uh, you know, we he finds out that Brock's trying to get the death sage or whatever it was to communicate with Marcus, he tells uh, Brock at some point in that conversation that he's only holding on to the stone right now because, you know, he's not old enough, and then when he's old enough, he'll give it to Brock. I I, I don't want to know, like, whether that eventually happens or not. I just want to know, in that moment, does Dylan actually mean what he says, or is he just saying that to appease Brock?
0: I honestly think he's, I think he's, If I'm being fair, I I think he probably was just telling the kid what he wanted to hear to make him feel better. Um, I don't think he actually meant it. Or to be fair, maybe he did and he had no intention of keeping the stone long term. Um, uh, I don't think he's – here's the thing. I think – That opinion might, I think it's sort of Schrödinger's cat, right? It's both at the same time. It definitely could be that he meant it at that moment. It also might be that in, you know, by issue nine, he's like, I'm ready to hand it off, kid. So he he might, as things get better or worse, he might be more inclined to, to, to share it. Uh, I think depending on, you know, how he is as a person going forward. But I think in that moment, I think he was literally just being like, he was, saw a kid that was in pain and somebody who was missing a father. And I think he totally understood that. And I think that's where he was looking at it. Like, I do think, look, I think Dylan has a lot of problems when it comes to opening up to people and being nice to people and, and not taking what he wants and doing what he wants. But I do think he has a, I do think he has a sympathy for people who, uh, have father issues. Because he has a lot himself. Awesome.
2: Uh, I guess he's not totally an asshole, I guess. Is, I hope he not. He has some good qualities. <laughs> 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 um, you know, the in, the in the last issue, there was a panel towards the end when uh, Juliet, right? That's the mom's name? Yes. Um, when she invites him over to stay with them, you know, she's uh, telling Brock and Ari... He's coming to join them. And then she says Dylan, comma Brock. I just want to say that that lip part kind of broke my brain because I read it as Dylan Brock will show you to your room. <laughs> um, but is there any inspiration from Dylan Brock that came into Rogue Son at all, or is that just purely coincidence?
0: I gonna... Brock's definitely Damien. Like Wayne, Damien Wayne, right? Uh yeah. I, I mean I think um Oh Dylan Brock, I didn't even know who Dylan Brock was. I just look it up. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> that's um, hilarious. Uh, no, I think I, I mean definitely, I mean you, you can definitely see the the Bat family influences in the concept of of. So I always knew that Dylan was going to after. So after after they discovered that his mom was um was the villain. I was like, okay, he's 17. He can't live by himself. And I thought there was something really interesting about the idea of like, well, what if he ends up having to move into the house with the family, his, his, his father's other family. And I was just like, that is going to be weird, like the weird combination of people and just not it's not going to be easy. But mm-hmm. I was like, I also it could be, it, you know, and who's to say it might not be the best or worst thing that ever happens to him. So what I liked is the idea because it, it's also a bit um, I would spend every summer with my Uh, when I would go every summer I, when my parents were divorced. I would I would spend it in Bakersfield with my um, my my father and his step family. But my dad worked nine to nine. to. He was a dentist. And he worked nine to five every day. So it was just me. And my stepmother and her her two and her two boys. So it was just that was my family for three months and they weren't big fans of me and there was a lot of problems there. And so like I, but like you learn a lot by being in those situations. And I thought, well, that would be a really interesting thing to throw Dylan in because Dylan for a little while has been sort of like. You know the you know that he's the he's the man of the house for so long and now suddenly he's thrown yeah. into a place where that's not the case and I just thought there was a lot of fun to to be had from having them be there so yeah you, you can see there definitely Brock has a little Damien in there I think Ari probably has a little you know a little Barbara um, but I think Juliet's going to, Juliet's been the most fun character to sort of re- write in this next arc because uh, one I had a very different idea of what I wanted to use her as as opposed to Gwen like he's this is a very different mother this is a mother who has uh spent her entire life working with like her her husband was a superhero for 20 or for for the last 12 or 15 years of their lives so she's lived with this already in a way that gwen never did um and i feel like that's going to have her have a very different perspective on what it means to be rogue son and what it also but she's also a mother so like i think that was a really interesting combination she has that she has that built-in sort of understanding of of when Marcus would you know, fly off and fight a villain at night, she, you know, she did that, she dealt with that every single night for twelve years. At some point you're gonna have a different perspective on that than than Gwen, who didn't like the idea of Dylan ever leaving. So like I just feel like there's a lot of fun stuff to to play there. I mean, I'm a, I, if I, I don't I don't want to call her Alfred, but but like there's definitely <laughs> she's definitely more in line with Alfred than she would be with Catwoman, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah for sure. She's sexy um, Alfred. We're going with sexy offer. Yeah. Alfred. yeah. Oh, okay. there we go. <laughs> I like
3: uh,
2: sexy offer.
3: One thing I love you actually put into question is like a hero's livelihood. Um, when we, when we hear like Marcus has been like stealing little bits of money as like rewards, um, like off, off of the people, like he saves, he does a bank robbery. He'll take a bit of cash, whatever. Um, How do you think like I I just love that perspective because how how do you think a superhero could make money with all the time they dedicate to saving these people without having like a a Justice League or an Avengers credit card?
0: You know what I mean? That's exactly what I was thinking about. Like I was like, well, because like I remember when I first wrote it down, it was like, oh, Gwen says like he married into money. And I was like, yeah, but like. If his job is literally to sort of like – like I, there's, a, there's a scene in the, I think it's the fourth issue maybe where Gwen sits down to Dylan and sort of tells her what she thinks about the father. And she says, you know, he's somebody who believes because he saves you, you owe him. And the idea is like if I'm going to save the world, what's the big deal of me taking a few extra bucks to pay my, for my kids? Because I have to do that. If I have to do a day job and I have to work there all day, I can't save you. So like, and I and I know that that's some of the mentality that I've heard about some corrupt cops doing when they when they steal from drug dealers. Like, well, you know, I'm risking my life to stop this. What's the problem with me saving a kid and a few bucks to take care of my kids in case something happens to me? And like, I'm I'm, it, you know, and I think you know, obviously that's a complicated answer. But like, I thought there was something really cool about a superhero. That, I think if you are a superhero, that is used to saving people all the time and is in some ways um you know une- like it would be hard i think it would be very hard to not become arrogant and not become think of yourself as being special or above the law or, I mean, to be fair, I mean, to be fair, what, what Marcus did all those years was above the law. Anyways, he would arrest, he would take these people and he put them in jail. He didn't take them to the police. He didn't throw them. he didn't, he didn't give them to, you know, like he is above the law when it comes to fighting and saving our world. So it's like, why would he think that those laws have anything to do with with stopping him from doing the things that he would want to do? Um, he literally believes in his his own moral center. His moral compass is, Is everything. And so I just thought there was something interesting to play off of that because I was asking that exact same question of, well, what if that's how he got some of his money? And to be fair, maybe Gwen's wrong. Maybe Gwen said that as a lie to make to make to to get Dylan to because if you listen, Marcus never acknowledges that she's correct. He says she lies. So it could be a lie. But I just thought it was an interesting uh, it was an interesting question that I thought had a fun answer.
4: Hmm. Um, there's been talk this week of James Gunn saying he's not going to address uh, any more Easter eggs in the first movie. And when they're filming the uh, third Guardians movie, Is, are there any like glaring Easter eggs that you left out there in the first uh, six issues that haven't been discovered yet?
0: Um, There are. Yeah, mm, there's one. <laughs> okay. There's there's only one. And uh, it will probably be addressed by issue 12 and then it will and then you'll be able to figure it out right now it's just sort of sitting there i don't know that's not helpful but yeah (laughs) that's great
1: love it yeah so i've got a few more questions as well my first one is in rogue son number four there's a moment where i noticed this today on the reread where marcus says dylan every day forces you barely oh no no, sorry sorry he says if we want to make sure your mom doesn't have to put you in the ground next to me you'll need the black fire." And at this point of the time, like when you're reading, uh, it's not like we we don't know yet that, you know, his mom has anything to do with the death and anything. Was this like a hint at what's to come? Is this deliberate? (laughs)
0: Yeah. So th- I'll tell you, I'll give credit to that line. So, uh, for issue seven, I'm having a co-writer come on board with me, uh, just because I needed help to, uh, there's a buddy of mine from college named Nick Cotton, who, uh, was somebody who helped me with all of my early films and and projects and is somebody that I've been, that reads almost everything I've done for my, my almost, my entire life. Um, and he's really into puzzles and games and stuff like that. And with the choose your own adventure, it just seemed like the obvious, like, Hey man, do you want to come on and do this? Cause he's, he's one of the few people I will ever give a script to and be like, Hey, if you have, any notes or changes just write them in and i'll I'll adjust it and he actually changed that line in in a pass where i gave him the script and i thought that was i was like that's a little on the nose man he's like no one's gonna catch it i was like okay and i loved it i'm so glad that someone actually caught it because it was literally trying to allude to the fact that yes she was the killer I, i did think because i wanted to try to play fair with the readers i do think you know like i didn't give you too many hints that she was the killer but I think no, no. You, take... you did a good job. Okay, cool. But I didn't, I didn't want I wanted to play fair, but I didn't want it to be um, too obvious. It's a it's a weird balancing act because you never know. But it yeah, no, but it was, you, had it was fantastic. Yeah. you had me yeah, feeling I, stupid. You had me feeling stupid that you can do
1: yeah. Genius. <laughs> me too, you yeah. did it. There's yeah. <laughs> was down. only on the reread yeah, today fine. that i realized that lie. so i haven't read it but yeah i another one is and i also today i also realized this today while i was rereading the issues so and i've, I've reread i re i usually re- read everything massive verse twice anyway just to cool. just to make sure i understand it so this is like third or fourth time but uh i noticed that dylan there's a point in issue six where wh- when he's complaining uh or when he's you know he's between the the, the fight between uh, marcus and uh and uh, cataclysm, she, she he he just like swings his hand and punches her. But then he says that wasn't me. What the hell was that? Did you? And then Marcus says it wasn't him. Was that actually not either of them? Or no, that was that lying? was Marcus.
0: That was okay. Marcus. Like Marcus okay. didn't know that he had that in him. Okay. Um, but like, so he wasn't trying to punch her, but like, mm-hmm. if you watch, if you look at the panel, you can see his hand behind the hand and they're both cocked in the yep. same manner. So yes. yeah, the idea was that in the, his fury, Marcus was able to move the suit with one punch one. Cause I, I need, I mean, if I'm being clearly honest, I was like, I needed the fight to escalate. And two, I was like, there's no way Dylan will ever hit his mom. Like there's no way. Yeah. But then I was like, yeah. but Marcus fight. Yeah, and I thought there was something cool about. Maybe if you were that sort of emotionally distressed and you were connected to the suit, you could you could tap into that for a moment. And I thought that was something cool about that.
4: Oh, that's amazing. Thank you. Like what Bash was talking about with lines that are foreshadowing. I don't know if this actually is foreshadowing or not, but in the first issue, um, we see uh, Cataclysm wears like green, right? It's it's just isn't just me colorblind itself, right? Green? No, she's green. Yeah, she's in green. Cool. And I noticed I think you'd probably know what I'm going to say then with the um, with the first line we get of the exterior of their house. And when we are, we're introduced to the mother, we hear and turkey and cheese. Also, the bread in here is green and it's like in bold. I don't know if that's done purposely, but it's weird that a connection that like the green color is just like her color. And then it's mentioned there. Was that on purpose?
0: Uh, I don't think that one was. I think that was more the fact that like I'm really bad about getting rid of bread. And and <laughs> <laughs> like, I will literally go, I need a sandwich. And it's like, that's three weeks old. And I was like, no, I can't eat that. So yeah, it's more, that's more of a, <laughs> of, of a tip to my laziness than than anything in the story. But but yeah, there is stuff um, like that, that we do think about. Usually that stuff comes in like later lettering passes yeah. where like, you'll write a whole issue. And then right before it goes to like, you know the final lettering, you'll start from the, you, the what's the cool thing about comics that I don't know if people talk about that I really love is like, so, you know, when you write usually it's like you're usually if if you're if you're if you're on schedule you're usually like one or two issues ahead of the previous so you'll like write a script right and then you'll hand it off to the artist and then if you're good you'll start to write the next script or work on the one after that by the time you get it back from colors you're usually on the second or third script so like i'll get i'll do the lettering pass for one while i'm writing three and so you'll start these you'll you'll your your heads in what's coming up and so you'll be able to slightly adjust some of the lettering lines to sort of pay stuff off or connect to things that you wouldn't know that you you usually don't can't do in the moment when you're writing the script uh but it's nice it's it's one of the few things that i think i think tv has that a little bit it's not so much now because of the binging of it all but but i love that element i love that i love that i can like go back and go oh that's what i i meant i can can take a line of dialogue and and focus it because i know where the story is going to be in two issues
4: Mm. That's true. It's a good point. You don't think about that either. You don't see that addressed that often. But it is nice. It's like you're just improving on your own work. It's like having like a time stone and being able to go back in time and then like edit it before it's even out. It's it's genius that the story's always in flux.
0: Yeah, I mean, comics as a medium have so many cool elements that I think. I mean, it's we talk about this all the time. Like, yeah, we we talked about it at C two E two at dinner all the time. It's just like finding elements of the medium that like just like lean into that and it makes it and it and it can like like there's a thing that I I don't want I was going to say it but I don't want to ruin it cuz I might actually do it <laughs> um like okay I I did this in I did this in Oberon it's a book that I did before that I really loved is there's a point where um uh there's a point where uh the the girl is it's a story about like the fairy king. It takes this girl on like to like, you know, she's got powers and he, like trains. her and stuff. It's like a weird Doctor Who story. Anyways, long story short, they go to this place called the like the Endless Labyrinth. And in the labyrinth, what I did on one of the pages was um, they're like trying to get out of it. And I just said I told the artist, like, just draw the same page three times or just draw me one page. And then I printed it three times and I changed the dialogue in all three pages because they're trapped in a labyrinth and they're going through like a loop. And I was like, that's really that's something that you can't do in any other medium you can't do that in novels you can't do that in movies i mean I, you but like you can do it in comic books and i think that was something like that's something that i think if you can find little things like that like uh, the kyle's that's the thing that i think that when kyle talks about radiant black uh, going forward like that's the stuff that i think he gets really excited about is like like yeah obviously you know issue 10 the 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 um the uh, glow, the, the black light issue, like that's something that was like, you can only do that in comics. And like, I feel like whenever you can find those, that's what makes these comics. That's what makes this whole process fun is like finding those and looking for those. And that's what I'm trying to do. And I think it's what we're all trying to do is just like lean into lean into the medium whenever you can. And it makes it better.
4: Absolutely. Go ahead. Sorry, man. No, I mean, we say it all the time, but you got what you were doing, like the Massiverse team, I mean, choose your own adventure. You're you're doing it. You're doing that kind of stuff that can only really be done in this medium, even though you can do that in normal novels, doing that in comics. I can't imagine how you're going to make art sequences connect to each other and how you can play off of that. I, I can't imagine. I know that you definitely probably already published a baller script on it, and it's going to be a challenge. One question I have is the filter is really interesting. Uh, it's like an overlay that kind of like adds like, it's almost like, I can't quite describe it. It's kind of like a film overlay. Um, was that a choice that you made, or was that something that Abel came up with, or you guys both came up with together? The film uh, – what do you mean exactly? I'm it's sorry. kind of like a little like, overlay over the, the – uh, in like the art almost, almost has like a little like, static kind of look to it. I can't really describe it, but it has – it's like the overall look. There's like a shading. I, I can't really describe
0: it. It's like there's that's, like a mm. – That's probably Chris O'Hall and honestly, like I, I, oh. I, he brought so much to the book, and just I, I don't think I ever really fully appreciated how much a colorist dictates the tone and style of your book until Chris came in. Like I, I don't think I don't. Chris is like the most stoic dude. We've only ever talked in email, and he's very like cool man. And I was like, and I'm like, I'll gush about stuff. He's like, thank you. And I was like, all right, cool. It's like I'm not getting a lot, but like such a talented colorist, and I think some of that, like his. He brought such a specific, like muted visual tone to the book. Like, okay, if you have mm-hmm. read my Power Ranger books, you can, you read those books and they are like, well, uh, like they are very colorful, <laughs> but I was like, I love that Rogue Sun is not. Rogue Sun is muted and darker and plays and plays. I think that's kind of where you see that grain. Like there's just not, a, even the, on the brightest days, it's still kind of, mm-hmm. the oranges are muted, the, everything, the whole, the whole, other, whole color palette is muted. So I feel like that's probably half Abel, half Chris, it's just them working together.
4: OK, great. Yeah, we've gone a long time without talking about the art, but obviously it's amazing because you guys are all firing on all cylinders. And it's really, you know, it just it feels like you're watching a movie. A lot of the Masterverse stuff, you can feel like it, there's like you have the TV writer background. Kyle has the director kind of stuff. It just feels like something that can easily be adapted and it makes it so much more immersive.
0: Oh, thank you. I mean, we definitely talk about it. A lot. I think Kyle is such a he is such a a, a technical brain. When it comes to that stuff, like he really, he is like I don't have a lot of notes. I'm like, yeah, that looks cool. And Kyle's always like, all right, all right, hold on, drop the CPA here, blah blah blah. Like he's really, <laughs> he's way more technical about that stuff, and I trust him so much because he just has such a good, uh, good barometer for that stuff. Mm. Uh, but yeah, like it's, it's like Abel is a very. It's nice to have. I've been very, very lucky. To work with some very talented artists like you know Dan Mora and Marco Rena and I'm and uh and and Abel and just like a bunch of people and um, I'm living out 50 and I apologize to all you guys but like the like when you work with people that just you don't have to give them notes because I think it's kind of like that thing that people writers talk about with actors where it's like a good actor can take any line and make it good and I feel like that's the way with some artists too it's like uh, Mm. there are artists who can take the 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 most boring like scripted page and make it amazing and or or can take an idea that you that you didn't realize and make it 10 times better and like that's the cool thing about working with like abel and and chris and all all the people in rooks it feels like i haven't really ever written a page where i was like that like that didn't work because they made it work and i'm sure that it didn't work but they were talented and made it work so that's that's really nice (laughs) that's awesome
2: yeah, yeah, and we've, we've talked about the the art and the colors multiple times in the podcast so far. It really fits the vibe and even, like, enhances uh, the vibe of the book. And I can't wait to uh, dig back into it on my next reread. And speaking of, uh, the trade paperback comes out on August 24th in a couple of weeks. Uh, is there anything special in there that can we expect? Uh, something extra, like how the Radiant Black trades have the, the Radiant language in the back, anything like that?
0: Um, I don't know for trade one, if we were able to do that because we were a little bit up against the time slot. Um, so I think it's just pretty much the standard trade stuff. Um, but, and that's on me cause I'm, um, I'm lazy and Michael has great ideas and then I'm like, we'll do it. And then we run out of time. Um, but, uh, but I think there probably will, there is something that we might do that will come out at the same time as the trade that will be for free. Okay. Now that I've said it, I think I just committed us to doing it, uh, it was something <laughs> So we will, it'll just be something, it was an idea that I had that I thought was like, well, like, cause like we're taking the month off because of the trade coming out. Um, And I was like, it'd be, I don't wanna do nothing. And I had an idea for something that we would do. So that might not, it might not be on the trade but it will be available online for free.
2: Okay, I I'll be see. looking forward to that for sure. All
0: right, now I gotta do it, all right,
4: okay,
2: cool. <laughs>
3: Oh, that's awesome. Uh, one one last question, or actually two two quick questions for me. Uh, one more so just pure curiosity. Um, if you could team Dylan up with uh, either like uh, Marvel or DC character, um, like just what, one of my favorite issues is like the Invincible crossing over with Spider-Man you got that quick time with Robert Kirkman. And like, if you could do that once, is there a character that really stands out to you if you got a chance?
0: Well, it's fun. Like, that's a good question. Cause, like, do you do is like, is it better to team up with somebody that's just like him, or is it is it more fun to like have him go contrast yeah. with somebody who would never team up with in the world? Like, like him and Deadpool would be amazing. Like, I just feel <laughs> like Deadpool and Deadpool and Rogue side oh, would just yeah. because I feel like I feel like Rogue's like, like Dylan. Like, Deadpool would start talking to the fourth wall, and Dylan will be like, "Who are you talking to, man?" Like, you know, it would be fun. <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, I'm trying to think. Like, what's a good one? I feel like that would be fun, and uh, I think it would be awesome to have him hang out with uh I, I said this before somebody told like i had this idea somebody asked me on the on the ama uh a discord thing about like if you could pick any book you want to do for the big two what you do and i was like i'd love to do a gambit and rogue um like new orleans noir and i was like so like have 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 rogue son show up in the middle of that would be super cool i think <laughs> dylan oh, hanging out yeah. with rogue and gambit would be a really funny fifth wheel <laughs> oh, yeah that would be incredible. Uh,
3: I I had one I had one last question for you. Um, all, all this black market merchandise we've been getting and just the rogue son just has probably the best design like one of the best designs I've ever seen like from a character wise like he, the first time you see him you're just like holy crap like it, it's just, it's just absolutely stunning. But um, can we expect like a shirt or something
0: anytime soon? Yeah, we're working on it. I I, uh, I I have like four or five designs. Uh, that I sort of threw uh, to 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 Michael to sort of talk through, but yeah, we're gonna definitely get some stuff up on the probably it'll probably most likely be on the the Black Narrative website, um, so it'll be available the same way that the stuff for Radio Black is available. But yeah, I mean, look, <coughs> sorry, um, I used to design like like clothes and stuff when I was like uh in my 20s and stuff like that. So like it's just finding the time to to you know sc- you know blow the dust off of Adobe Photoshop and get back to work. So <laughs> love yeah, it.
3: Yeah.
1: So uh, one thing that uh, we also, you know, we, we asked the Discord if they had any questions before uh, we went live. So there were actually a, a couple of questions. So one is from your boy Chips Ahoy. Wow, that actually rhymes. I like that. <laughs> there Love we it. go. <laughs> he says, I seem to remember hearing you had been working on Rogue Sun before the Masterverse. How much, if at all, did being part of something bigger
0: like that affect the story and the ideas you had? Um, that's a good question and very, very, very astute Chips Ahoy. Um, uh, I would say (laughs) I, I've discovered that the best, the ideas that have worked out the best for me are usually ones that. Um, I just keep coming back to like, uh, dead day is the, another comic I did. And I went back the other day and I found four different versions of that story that I'd written for different mediums before I ever got to the comic book. Like, it was just like, I had this, one was like a radio play that I'd written, uh, that I was excited about doing. One was, a was, a uh, sorry, what was a play? One was a radio play that I had actually pitched to another to a company as like a like a fake like mockumentary style story of like what if this was actually happening and how to react to it. And so, anyways, but like I guess I just kept trying to. I couldn't. It wasn't until somebody was like, "Are you interested in doing a comic book?" That I took that same idea and I went, "Oh wait, what if it would work that way and I could do it sort of like The Walking Dead?" And so like same and, and there was something similar with Rogue Sun. It was like I had played with the idea of. Uh, and I think the general concept was was of the idea of a superhero who's uh, the legacy superhero who dies and haunts the the next incarnation. Um, I think that I had written it as I pitched it, I think, maybe to Marvel or DC at some point down the line as sort of like a one off um, for a villain. And I had sort of played with it as a TV pilot. I've done a lot of different versions. And it wasn't until Kyle uh, when I was in the middle of Power Rangers and Kyle was like, do you want to do something yet? Do you want to do something at image that I was like, I went through and looked at the ideas and said, oh, that actually could be that could be a superhero story. So, yeah, I there I'd worked on it. It, it changed in the sense that I think it was more about like looking at it, as, looking at it through the prism of being part of a, a shared universe in the image universe. That sort of made me go, OK, what's the aesthetic? What's the style? What's the governing principles of that world? uh You know, and you know, how can and how and what's the mythology? So it made me just look at it instead sort of a different lens. But yeah, it was definitely something I'd been playing with for for years and just never found the right. It happens with a lot of stuff with the stuff that I work on. It's like I have a lot of ideas, the same idea you just keep coming back to. It's just finding the right sort of clothes to put on it. That's
1: awesome. Very insightful. I look into the process and. It gives us a good idea of how the whole Rogue Sun came to being about. And, you know, I could tell, like, just reading Rogue Sun and then right now hearing you talk about it and all the other podcasts that you've been on, all the other interviews you've done, like, there's a real passion there and your enthusiasm is very, like, contagious. And it's clear you've read a lot of Image Comics specifically. And, that, you know, that shows a lot in the, in the work. And I love that even in the very first page of Rogue Sun number one, you see, like, You were mentioning with the legacy that like oh that's just rogue son that's okay if we just stay out of his way you know we'll be okay (laughs) i just really like that you know
0: yeah i was i was a big fan of the image comics when i was in the 90s like i probably i think i probably ingested all of them like like just it was i remember uh i went like i remember getting i remember when spawn one got released and i went in and i was like i want that because i'd read all the mcfarland spider-man i was like that's the coolest stuff ever and then i was like seven dragon and young i got all those and then i literally was like i went up to the guy and i was like if there's an image number one just put it in my box And then I so like I got the box and then I went back next week and I had I was like seventy eight dollars I was like I can't buy all these and so I bought like three and then put them back and then the week after that he he's like you don't get a box anymore and I was was like oh damn it (laughs) and so like I know what it's Uh like to like really and then so I would just find other ways and my grand so basically whenever I'd go to Bakersfield and my grandparents I was like can we go to the comic book store and I would literally just buy every image book I could get and so I read them all and and I loved I just. I loved the image, not because I thought like the stories are the greatest stories in the world in those first days, like they, they're good. There's there's some really good ones in there. But I just thought what was so cool about it was it made me realize that it was a profession and that and it made me realize, oh, I like the characters but I love the art better I love the guys who are making these books and all of a sudden Jim Lee and Rob Liefeld and and Mark Silvestri and Todd McFarlane they were like rock stars to me at like that age and I and I never forgot that I never for it made me they were as big and as important to me as the superheroes that they drew and I think that's the great gift that image gave to everybody was it was like it's not just the characters; it's the people who make them. And if you follow them and you give them your your, your you know, so your patronage, they can really reward you. Like I like that's what Rob, you know, that's what Robert Kirkman ultimately did. It's like if you followed him over from Marvel and you're like you pick up Invincible, man, you were to get that in those early days. To have been able to read Invincible in real time would have been amazing. <laughs> I didn't get I the two that I came in very late to the game, and I so. Can't imagine. Yeah. So that's what I mean. Like I think that's the thing that Image ultimately gave the world. For me, it was it was just they remind they made me realize, oh man, like I this is what I want to do. And and like and not to be like a rock star. That's not it. I just wanted to do the same thing they were doing, which was come up with fun stories and and take the stories that I did when I playing with my action figures and put them on paper and and hopefully people, you know, can get excited about that. And so that that's the that's why I have such an incredible, like love and appreciation for for image and it's just it's an absolutely it still hasn't quite sunk in sometimes but i'm like i got an image book like like my character can my character could literally meet one of those one of those characters and like hang out with them or fight them like that's crazy like i don't deserve that and so i don't know it's pretty cool it's a pretty it's a pretty crazy thing to have happen
1: yeah i mean we 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 love uh, like we, i feel like we a lot of us like feel the same way honestly looking at the, you guys the creators of today I mean, that's how you guys come off to us. And it's amazing because we were saying like, None of us really knew who Abel was before Rogue Son, and I think that was, one I. Of the, yeah, <laughs> and that was the biggest re- revelation for us. It's like we all know who Becca Carey is. We know we know Ryan Paird, obviously. I've read that day; it's amazing. Can't wait for the TV show. Uh, we we know who uh, Chris O'Halloran is. We you know so so it's like obviously we know Michael, but Abel was the first person. Like I never heard of this person, but once I saw his 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 pencils, his artwork, I just I fell in love immediately. And I know a lot of people even in Discord have talked about even buying some artist proofs and whatnot. But um, speaking of Image and Chris O'Halloran, have you read Ice Cream Man by any chance? Oh, yeah, totally. Man. Oh, it's just – I literally just bought the hardcover the other day. Even though I have the issues, I just wanted the collected edition, and (laughs)
0: that's so good. Chris is just – it's crazy to me because anthologies usually don't work like usually the, it's just that, you know, you need that as those those consistent characters to come back. Not that they never work, but like it's hard to keep them going because it's mm-hmm. so easy to get off the train. You know what I mean? It's so easy. It's like, oh, I heard that, you know, the end of the story. So you can you can leave. That's one of the things I was telling comics is like never let your audience off the hook or they'll they they could leave. Um And. And I, 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 what's crazy about Ice Cream Man is I was like, well, it's such a simple idea, but then you read it, and the more you read it, you, it's like it's an anthology, and slowly you're like, oh wait, this isn't an anthology at all, is it? It's actually one big story, and I'm learning about it, and and they they use the they use the different art styles and the different the different plays so well, it's a great book. My one of my friends, uh, Noah Gardner, is a, a talented writer as well. That's like his favorite book in the world. He's the one who introduced me to it, so it's it's really great.
1: Oh yeah. That's that was great to hear. It was nice to hear love from your fellow peers. But um yeah, I, and one of one of my last few questions is I think one thing that I'm very impressed with uh, that you've managed to do as a writer, and of course we we've all gushed several times, you know, we are called the Raining Black Podcast, but we do cover all the massive verse books. And and speaking of, I actually this joke I wanted to mention because I, I didn't know you loved Invincible, but now that I know we we actually joked that uh, right when we read Sun Number 6, and we all talked talked about it, we joked that like uh, we actually Dylan had his Omni Mom moment. <laughs> uh, totally. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so that was a very cool moment to see, but man. Yeah, just uh, I love how, despite some characters having very brief moments in the comic books, like Byron, like, uh, you know, all the side characters we've seen at Dylan's school or even beyond, that, they actually you you make it very you do a good job of making them very impressionable and likable. So are those characters just going to be recurring characters or background characters or, you know, maybe even will they step up eventually to have some minor story arc?
0: Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Byron, Vanessa, they'll both be in there. Reggie's gonna come back in there eventually at some point. Uh, um, Danny, Markinson, at some point. Like I'm, like those people are. Like like I'm kind of like the Simpsons. I have a little board with all the names and the people on there. So when I go into high school stuff, I'm like, okay, don't forget that person, don't forget that person, because like I don't want them to vanish. But yeah, the, the, I one of the things I literally, it's funny you guys brought that up because I literally got, I sent my outline for like one of the issues that I sent to to Michael, and he was just like, he's like, this is all cool, man. He's like maybe dial back the plot like just a little bit so we can spend a little bit more time just being a high school kid. And I was like, yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> right. Cause I get a little, I, it's that balance, right? It's like, I want to give you guys, like, I want to pay off the world. I want to give you the little details and little, cause those are the things that I love as a reader. I love the little details. I love the, the, the weird little plot twists and stuff like that. And and I want to expand out the world in fun ways. But at the same time I got to remember, it's like, it, like, 22 pages is a lot of comic and like we, we haven't spent a lot of time with some of these characters and like just giving one of these pages, like giving them two extra pages to just be people and, you know, tell a story about what it was like growing up or getting you like doing something that that shows them as more than just a side character or the girlfriend or the love interest or the bully. Like if I can make these, all the people around Dylan, slightly more three-dimensional characters it'll just make the whole world feel better and richer and that might be more important than coming up with a cool weapon or a neat macguffin and like so it's like that i got to remember that that's it's not just action and macguffins sometimes it's really about just getting to make these people making the world feel real and tangible so i'm trying i'm trying to make all those people as realistic as possible
3: I think you do
1: such a good job with that. It reminds me a little bit in the same sense of, and I'm not, there's not comparing quality or anything like that, but I think I grew up like, and I know Kyle kind of feels a little bit this way, but I have this guilty like love and pleasure towards Batman forever. Like, there's just several reasons why I love that movie. It's just, I know people like trash it all the time, but it's just so well, it's it's very colorful. And I think Rogue Sun is kind of like that. It has, I think Batman Forever had a very distinct looking Gotham that was very colorful and they did a lot with the visuals in, in that movie. And I think Rogue Sun is similar in that sense where all the villains, all the characters are so like, there's so much visual, there's something like rich visual, you know, there that there's a lot, there's so much more than it, than it seems. And the colors, like you said, the colors are beautiful. It does such a good job of distinguishing itself from the other massive verse books. And I love the, the orange slash you know red fiery theme it has going on with all the covers. But I'll, I'll leave it here with one last question uh, before we conclude. And I, I, obviously we've seen the reveals from the the, the cons earlier this year, SDCC and uh, C2E2, and uh, we've seen the amazing character designs of Ornith and Hellbent. Hellbent looks uh, very like one of my favorite characters, Ezreal. So <laughs> I can't wait for that
0: one. Ah, <laughs> oh, damn it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean in a great way. Like not a, oh, so, yeah. what, what is there anything that you uh, you can tell us about Ornate, anything at all. Nothing it doesn't have to be spoiler, Just anything.
0: Um, Ornate is one. I loved the design. I t- told Abel, I was like, "Hey, we got this sort of time d- twisting villain that's gonna come up," and I was like, "And I was, I was sort of like, just you know, whatever you want to do with it. Like, I don't have a lot of." The only thing that I thought was like there's a sensor that he holds, which is the thing that you know in in Catholic church when you walk in they have that that sort of like the incense burner, and I was like I think there would be something really cool to having him have like an incense burner because we could use the smoke in lots of really fun ways. And so I was like try let's let's play with that. And then he sent me that one drawing of the character. That's the one we showed, and that's the one drawing he sent me. And I was like we're done. That's it. Nice job. (laughs) I hate he does that all the time. yeah, it's so crazy. It's like, as he's, at some point he's not gonna be able to do that. At some point he's gonna draw me, send me something out and be like, no, but I don't know when that day will come. Um, but uh, when it comes to the character, I think that's what's fun is like I usually I usually write towards like an idea for a character, and then once I get the design, it changes the way that I I'm like all of a sudden I'm like okay now I can visualize them now I tweak it. So Ornate started off as sort of being more like a ghoul, like more like uh, kind of like uh, I don't know how the best way to describe it more. Like a schmiegel kind of thing where he was just like taunting you from like <laughs> the, the corners. And when I saw sort of the refined design that ornate that 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 he gave me, it just changed the way that I wrote the character entirely. Um, and that was a lot of fun. Um, so that's the best I could say. for Ornate was like it's some of the fun is you get you get a design back and it just changes it. But I loved the idea. And I, I guess I'll say the one thing I would say is, um, they are a they are not so much a physical villain as they are. I don't even know if villains the right word um, th- as a, a physical opponent and they ha- their intentions are very uh, what they want and why they're doing this is very specific to the moment in Dylan's life that we find him. I don't know if that does that make sense like that's like yeah. where Dylan's at right now. That's the reason this character is there. They wouldn't have shown up three months ago and they wouldn't show up three months from now. They would only show up at this moment. That's awesome. So, so yeah, so that's it. and then Hellbent. Hellbent is just like it's funny. Uh, 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 I'm sorry, Kyle. Uh, Kyle was like, didn't didn't love that name when I pitched it, but I was like, I'm I'm keeping it. I'm gonna stick to my guns. I like Hellbent. <laughs> it sounds cool. Um, it is cool. <laughs> it is
1: cool, and I love how you worked it into the solicit nice wordplay
0: there. Oh, thank you. Yeah. That was yes. I was like, yeah. I was like I'm trying to be tricky. Uh but um he was like he was and he came but he told me he was like, "You know what? I came around and I'm used to it." I was like, "Yeah, it just takes a little while." Um but I love that design. I'm a big fan of I like, you know, I think I said I'm a sucker for Hoods and Hoods and Swords. Um and I just thought there was something cool and sort of mysterious about the character. And if you then there's been some people have noticed too. It's like there's a little bit of the armor that you see on yeah. them is similar in style to Rose the Radiant the radiant the, sorry not radiant the rogue sun armor so like yeah. that's on purpose so yeah i mean um he's a bit of a dark mirror um i'm always a big fan of 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 characters having to come face to face with uh people that make them look inside themselves and see and 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 can see who they are and the decisions they made so that's exact hellbent i i I, i've sort of equated a little bit like to the venom of it all like i don't think he's going to be exactly that but there's i would love to make hellbent like a permanent bad guy in the story like the one that sticks around the long haul because i like i like what they do to dylan as a character here you go. <laughs> like, let's see. Here, let's see if you're as smart and as strong as you think you are. So that that was the intention. Yeah.
1: That's awesome.
0: Thank you guys for what you guys do. Like, I've listened to your podcast. I I have uh, – it's been very nice. Uh, you know, you get ner- – like, you get nervous. Uh, usually when I don't want to write, I'm like, oh, the Radiant Black podcast is up. Well, I'll see what they <laughs> thought of Let's see what they said about Kyle's <laughs> book or my book or whatever, and I'll listen to a little bit of it. But uh, I appreciate it so much, like, the the level of, of, of thought you guys put into this and, and, uh, and, and the fact that you're able – like, th- I think you – you know, iron sharpens iron a little bit. Like you, 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 like you reading into this level of detail and asking the questions and taking the stuff so seriously, um, it forces us to 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 live up to that standard and it forces us to to try and hopefully find ways to keep you excited and interested. And and you know, if you stop you know doing this podcast i guarantee you we're gonna notice and be like oh we're doing something wrong guys and so like so so, so,
1: so what you're saying is
0: dylan would definitely be putting us in lockers if we were still in high school oh, <laughs> that's, that's what you're ultimately saying. all for <laughs> you across the thing it'd be like that you can't do that on television you guys have to talk to each other through the thing that's probably dating me but anyways yes yeah, he would definitely be bullying all of you guys <laughs> awesome thank you Perfection. so much ryan thank we you, really appreciate buddy. it thank you yeah. so much thank you guys This was awesome i appreciate it it's awesome. a pleasure, man.
1: Yeah, thank right. you so much. You have a great day and we'll have you back on hopefully
0: at the end of the next arc and we can talk more books on. Oh god, if I if that'll be great, because I hopefully that means we'll be doing an arc after that, which would be even better. So like, <laughs> yes. it's like woohoo, yeah. Thanks. Stay radiant.